you keep little phrases in your head, you know, as you go through the week. And that little song, you know, I shall not be moved. A good one to whisper as you go through your day. Now, if you can see, you can see the FedEx sign up here. Uh, this sign, you've seen it millions of times, have you not? It's a sign that's actually won 40 design awards for their logo and was voted one of the top eight logos in the last 35 years. And one of the reasons, if not the main reason, it's won so many awards is what you don't see, or at least what you don't see immediately. Now, you all are smart. I mean, you're smart. And uh, you've seen it already. Uh, but it's the arrow between the bottom of the E and the X. Now, if you're just now seeing it for the very first time, <laughs> just say, oh, I knew that. I mean, I'm just giving you permission to lie outright right now. Some of you are like, I still don't see it. He's pointed it <laughs> out to me, and I still can't see it. The big E up there, the lower part of it, has an X. Or, or an arrow into the X. And it's a way of saying without having words that we're, we're delivering. We're, we're moving forward. And the reason I'm using this logo is because there's so many times you see things every day, but yet you don't see. And the person that happens most to is yourself about yourself. You see, you look in the mirror, you see yourself, but yet you, you don't see. You can't see yourself accurate, accurately and frequently. What happens is when you can't see yourself accurately, you can't also see other people accurately. And that's the case of poor Simon the Pharisee that we're going to talk about this morning from Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. We're going through uh, the gospel of Luke and we're at the very end of chapter 7. So if you turn in your Bibles there, we'll read about three people, Jesus, the woman, and Simon, the Pharisee. And Simon, he can't see. He cannot see himself. He cannot see the woman accurately and he cannot see Jesus. So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And you can just stay seated as I read this. And I want you to just think about this question really the whole time. Do I see? Do, do you really see? You see yourself accurately? You see other people accurately? Do you see Jesus accurately? So think about yourself being getting an invitation to this dinner party. You're sitting around the table and you get to watch what unfolds here. One of the Pharisees, who we find out his name is Simon, verse 36, asked Jesus to eat with him. And Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and he took his place at the table. And behold... So this is Luke's way of saying somebody's coming into the story that you really need to see. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner. 
And when she let down, she, when she learned that she that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind Jesus at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with her hair, uh, the hair of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him, Jesus, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who's touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the, the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said to Simon, you have judged rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see? Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with Jesus began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's take a moment to reflect together on God's word. The word Pharisee means set apart or separatist. Pharisees were both powerful and popular religious figures in Jesus' day. And in all likelihood, they, they had a good motive. They had a good impulse for where they ended up at. Their, their starting point was good. The Pharisees were very religious. They knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards. They could quote it. They didn't need a, a scroll. And what they watched is the pagan Roman culture start invading the church or the synagogue. And when that happens, and I think we can all understand it, you need some group of people to push back, to say, hey, we're not going to do it that way in here. And so if you would imagine 
a, a group of men who are like trying to repair a dam that's about ready to, to blow. You know, they're, they're sort of feverishly trying to patch up the dam so the whole church doesn't get overwhelmed by the corruption of the culture. So I think they started out trying to push back, trying to build up walls for a good purpose. But unfortunately, the walls they built blinded them to themselves. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus refers to the Pharisees as blind guides. I mean, they think they're guiding people, but they don't know. They don't know where they're going. Jesus sees, but they don't see. But they think they see. So he calls them blind guides. And the biggest blind spot, or maybe just one of their biggest blind spot, is they mistook knowledge about God for knowledge of God. Let me say that again, because in our church, that could be a pretty big tendency. They mistook knowledge about God for knowledge of God. In the New Testament, it says Satan knows everything about the scriptures. He has all kinds of knowledge about God that we don't have, but he doesn't have knowledge of God. He doesn't have a relationship with God. And so they mistook this and they, they became blind. First Corinthians 8, Paul talks about this kind of knowledge that puffs up. There's a kind of knowledge that you have that just really puffs you up. It makes you look big. And this is what he says. They imagine that they know something, but they don't know. Paul's coming into this church and they're saying, there's just a lot of puffed up people in here. And here's the thing, they think they know, but they don't. They're blind, they're blind guides. They're just like Simon. They think they see, but they don't. So Simon is Simon the puffed up Pharisee. And in the process of building walls, the Pharisees and Simon, building walls against the culture, the Pharisees built a platform of self-righteousness. And from this platform, they could look down. And from this little puffed up perch, they could somehow believe they could accurately see everyone. But the one person they couldn't accurately see is, is themselves. No matter how, they, how long they stared at the logo, they could never see the arrow pointing back to the darkness of their own heart. So my question for myself this week and for you this morning is, do you see? Do you see yourself accurately? Do you see others accurately? Or is your inability to really see yourself and also see Jesus cause you to have a, a wrong judgment about other people? So let's, let's pull up a seat here to this dinner table and ask ourselves, do you see? I was reading a book uh, for a friend that I'm going to be talking this week about ministry, leadership, and it's talking about Moses and his life. And I love this line in the book, denial is a lot less painful than self-awareness. Denial is a lot less painful 
That's why a lot of people aren't very self-aware because they don't actually want to see themselves because it's, it's so painful. So you deny it in some way to save yourselves the pain. Oh, don't you find it so much easier to listen to a sermon and immediately know how it applies to someone else? Denial is a lot less painful than self-awareness, yet it's still a prison. And it blinds you to the reality of yourself. It blinds you to the reality of other people. It blinds you to who Jesus really is. Now let's set the scene here. Simon's a Pharisee. He's probably heard Jesus teach. Jesus is in Galilee, which is sort of the northern area of Israel. He's traveling around to relatively small towns. His hometown hub is Capernaum. It's on the Sea of Galilee. And in all likelihood, Simon had heard Jesus teach somewhere. He was understanding that people were, was, were calling Jesus a prophet. You see that in verse 39. So Simon wants to invite this person who's well-known that's a prophet to a dinner party. So he invites Jesus, and he has a, a specific list of invited guests. And they're all reclining at a table. This is how you would do it in the New Testament times. You would recline sort of like on a, a long sort of lawn chair on your left elbow, and your feet would be out, and you would eat with your right hand. That doesn't sound super convenient, but that was the way they did it. And at this dinner party, everybody's got a space around this rectangular table. But the interesting thing about this particular party and these kinds of parties is there was, a, there was an open invitation to anybody to just observe. So there was no, let's think of this as New Testament reality television, right? I mean, they don't have cable. So they go, well, Jesus and Simon are getting together. Let's see what happens in the episode one, right? So they all come and they just sort of loiter around the dining area and they can't participate. They, they're not invited to eat. They're just invited to listen, to, to watch what's going on. Although it wasn't a restricted event, you know there had to be a hushed gasp when the prostitute crashed the party. Everybody knows who this woman is. Now, it doesn't say prostitute, but that's what they mean in the New Testament. She's a woman of the city. She's a sinner. Just imagine she walks through the threshold of the door. Oddly enough, the one person we know who definitely knows about her is Simon. I'll let that sit there. <laughs> the first proof of Simon's blindness comes in verse 39. Now, when the Pharisee, Simon, who had invited Jesus, saw what the woman was doing, he said to himself out loud, which is really meaning to everyone else there, if this man were truly a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who's touching him of all things. She's a sinner. I would rephrase this just to help us understand. If Jesus were a prophet, then he would see things just like I see them. 
Do you feel that? See, I'm on a perch and I can see things. And if Jesus were really on a perch like a prophet, guess what? He would see things just like I see them. And what does that make Simon? Oh, equal with Jesus. He sees just like everyone else should see. Such a dangerous statement. And it's especially dangerous for people who think they have some amount of knowledge to assume that because they see something in a certain way, that Jesus must see it in that way. It's a subtle way of making you and Jesus equals. Even though it does say in the Bible, my thoughts are what? Not your thoughts. I guess they just sort of erased that part. My thoughts are your thoughts. No, no, they're not the same. And Simon doesn't see it. That's why you know he doesn't see himself. You see, Simon's not just looking down on the woman in this statement. He's looking down on Jesus. What Simon can't see is this enormous boulder of pride and arrogance that's crushing his soul. And it's as plain as the arrow on the logo, but he can't see it even though he sees it every day. He sees, but he he can't see. And so I love this about Jesus. Jesus is either going to ask you a question or tell you a story. He doesn't just come right out. He tries to come around it in some way so that you can kind of grapple with it rather than just sort of downloading the information. So in this case, he tells Simon, who's up on his puffed up perch of self-righteousness, this little story, verse 40. Simon, I have something to say to you. Okay, you know, you can speak, Jesus. A certain money lender had two debtors. Okay, Simon, there's three people in the story. You're one of them. Just, just pay attention, Simon, because I'm describing people in this room, but I'm going to use a story, and I want you to see who you are. There's a certain money lender who had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii, and the other 50. One owed 10 times as much as the other person. And when they couldn't pay, notice neither can pay, the money lender canceled the debt, both. Don't know why. And then he just asked this question, which of them will love him more? Two people living on loans. One person has a much bigger loan. Both have the same problem. They cannot pay back doesn't matter how small the debt is, they can't pay it back. So completely by grace, nothing earned here. The money lender just cancels the debt, paid in full. Now, who's the money lender? That's Jesus. Everyone here, everyone here, you're living on loan. Whether your debt is small or large, you cannot repay it. So we all have the same problem. We might all have a different debt, but we all have the same problem. It's like, you know, trying to get out of the Grand Canyon and trying to jump out of the Grand Canyon. And I'm on the ground and you're on a phone book. I mean, is that a great benefit to you? First of all, a phone book. I don't know if some of you know what that is. Let me try to explain it to you. 
It's a big piece of paper that you, no, never mind. But you see what I'm saying? Okay, I have a big debt. Yours is a little less. You're on a phone book. But neither one of us are getting out of the Grand Canyon by jumping out. It's not, it's just not possible. But the money lender, Jesus, on the cross, you remember one, one of his last cries was? Oh, it's so beautiful. It is finished. Of all the things he could say, it's one word in the Greek, and it means debt paid. Debt paid in full. Amen? He's looking at every person who's on the ground or thinks they're on a phone book, but probably not, and saying, I paid it. I paid the 500. I paid the 50. I paid the five. I paid the 50 cent. I paid every debt. You're completely free. You're debt free. What a great money lender. And then Jesus asks this question, Simon, whose love is bigger in this story? And Simon does answer correctly. And then to make sure Simon sees it correctly, he turns to the woman and he asks this strange question of Simon. Simon, look again. Do you see? But, I mean, you saw her when she walked in and you saw her as a sinner, but I want you to see if you can see again. Do you really see this woman? Jesus is going to use this story to help recalculate Simon's assessment of the woman, recalculate his assessment of himself, and recalculate his assessment of Jesus. Simon, do you see yourself in the story? Jesus is asking. See, there's a big gracious moneylender in the story, Simon, that's me. There's a big loving woman who's been forgiven much in the story. That's the woman. And there's one very tiny soul in the story. One who loves so little because they've forgiven so little. Simon, that's you. Simon, you think you're the biggest person in this room. And what I see is you're the smallest. That had to hurt Simon. Jesus is going to drive this point home in the following verses. Before we have the point driven home in Simon's heart, let's stop and look at our own. I wonder if you know this. Jesus has, has knowledge about Simon that Simon does not have about himself. Do you believe that? And Jesus is going to kindly, but it's going to be painful. He's going to reveal some of this knowledge to Simon. And I wonder if you and me, do we realize that Jesus has knowledge about you that you don't yet have about yourself? Do you really think that? See, the people up on the perch will go, pretty much know myself. That's the blindest response you can have. Jesus has knowledge about you, every person sitting in this room, and you don't have it about yourself. 
You don't know it. You're completely blind to it. And like a kind Savior, he's going to come in and say, I want to help you see something about yourself. You cannot see. Now, there's going to be some pain involved because denial is easy. But when, when you really want the truth, it's going to involve some pain. But it's a very kind thing that Jesus is doing for Simon and he's going to do for each of us. Thankfully, Jesus reveals this knowledge about ourself a little at a time. There's a great illustration by pastor, author, Gordon MacDonald. And he said this in a statement. Every year I return to my New England farm in the spring and mow the large lawn in front of my farmhouse. And every year I ruin at least one mower blade by hitting a rock that wasn't there the previous year. See, I go back in the spring, the grass is starting to grow, I get my riding lawnmower out, and I know every year somewhere, I'm going to hit a rock that wasn't in the field the last time I mowed it in the season before. And then McDonald explains, of course, the rock had been there the previous year, but beneath the surface. Now listen, winter has a way of forcing rocks to the surface. And when they surface, they must be dug out and discarded. Winter, difficulty, suffering has a way of forcing rocks to the surface. And you'll find them. Something will get wrecked. Something's going to get ruined. And you'll say, I I didn't see this before. And it's the way Jesus is doing to Simon. He's doing to each of us. He's he's bringing these rocks up and saying, hey, this one has to be dug out. This one has to be discarded. Jesus uses winter conditions to communicate to you. He uses uncomfortable guests at dinner parties. He uses stories. He uses thousands of other things to uncover these rocks in the field of your soul. He knows things about you. And let's all be thankful he doesn't bring up every rock at the same time. Amen? Otherwise, no grass, right? Just all rocks. And as soon as I get the rocks out, rocks. You know, it's like rock quarry. He doesn't bring them all to the surface, but he's using every situation, especially painful ones, to recalculate To understand there's stuff you don't see. There's stuff you don't know. Don't don't get puffed up. Don't think you imagine it all. Don't take your little bit of knowledge and stretch it over and say, I know now I know everything. Don't do that. This is what Jesus is helping Simon do, maybe helping us. And so he contrasts now Simon and the woman, verse 44. Then he turns to the woman and he says to Simon, do you see this woman? And then he just mentions three common courtesies that Simon didn't offer. I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiping them with her hair. She's let her hair down. You gave me no kiss, no greeting, no common interaction like a handshake for us. But for the time she came in, she's not stopped to cease kissing my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil, a, a kind of odd greeting for us now, but normal then. And, but when she came in, she's been anointing my feet with oil the whole time. He's contrasting these two. 
Jesus is painfully pointing out all of Simon's deficiencies as a host in front of everyone else. No water, no kiss, no oil. All of these, if you do your study, are all common customs. And most Bible scholars make the comment, this was a way of demeaning Jesus when he came into the room. I'm not going to, you're a prophet, and I'm threatened by a prophet, right? Because I'm up on my perch. And I can't have anybody up on my perch. So it's a way of demeaning. It's just taking these normal customs out. He's already trying to lower Jesus. How painful it must have been for Simon when Jesus' assessment of him is that he is smaller than the prostitute. You really have to feel for Simon. I mean, you, you are heartbroken for this woman, but if you've had any dealing with pride or arrogance or being puffed up, this has got to be painful. He's exposing my weaknesses in front of everyone, and I just want to remind us this is a kindness of Jesus. Denial is a lot less painful than self-awareness, but Jesus know, knows only the truth that can set you free. And he's not willing for Simon to live in the prison anymore. He's trying to let Simon out. Jesus knows things about you. You don't know about yourself. The last two years have been difficult for everybody. And he's used those times, those experiences, like winter, to push rocks to the surface. The woman, wish you would know her name. She's like a flower. She's the complete opposite of Simon. Simon's so closed down. He's living in this dark winter. But she's just the opposite. She's like this spring flower. She's coming out of this closed down life of prostitution. Somewhere she heard Jesus before she responded to his message and she's just coming physically to show her kindness and love and faith towards him. She's responding at this moment to the massive warmth of Jesus's grace. She knows she's been forgiven much and she wants to love much. She doesn't want to hold in any kind of forgiveness. She doesn't want to hold in any kind of animosity. If this is a big dinner party in a small town, she probably recognizes faces in the room. She's not focused on those faces right now. She's becoming a new creation. It's beautiful to behold, which is why in verse 37, Jesus says, Oh, behold. Oh, the biggest, beautiful person just walked in the room. And you might miss her. You might be so involved with yourself, so certain you know about her heart and her soul that you completely miss the biggest, most beautiful person. And right here, she's like a flower. She's blooming out. Don't miss it. She has come into Simon's house. She knew she would look down on. She heard the hushed gasp, but she's focused on Jesus. Now, only one person matters, Jesus 
Nothing's going to stop her. Do you see that, Simon? You see, he's trying to take his face and say, see? Simon, she's opening up her heart. She's letting down her hair, very intimate sign. She's washing my feet in great humility. She's kissing my feet. Simon, do you see this? She's taking her perfume, which is a little flask. You think of it more like a vial, not a big jar. It's a small container of perfume that women would wear on a cord that would drop between their breasts. Probably as a kind of deodorant. Certainly as a way to attract men, and especially in her profession. And maybe, just maybe, a way to mask the smell of her old life. And what's she doing it? She's pouring it out. Oh, it's beautiful. All the things I used for my own old self-identity, all the things I held on to that made me feel like I was special or I smelled good or somebody might pay attention to me, I'm giving that away. I'm not going to hold that anymore because I found the pearl of great price. Nothing else matters. She's literally pouring out her old self on Jesus. And she's blooming like a flower right in front of Simon. And Simon cannot see it. Simon. Simon, unclench your fist of self-righteousness. Simon, unclench your fist of unforgiveness. Simon, open up yourself to the son of creation, Jesus. Simon, this woman is blooming right in front of you. See her, Simon. Be like her, Simon. Have her faith. Since it's springtime, I thought it was only appropriate that we show a little fast action video of flowers blooming. Just want you to think of this woman's soul blooming before Jesus. keep watching it don't you <laughs> did you see a lot of those buds were so closed down even downward facing and I don't know who that is in this room but it's some people in this room and here's what makes me concerned is you don't know it you think you you're the flower that's what Simon thought. I'm the biggest flower in the room. 
You're dead, Simon. You don't see it. Let me help you see it. Do you see... Do you see yourself accurately? Is it okay if Jesus knows things about you you don't know about yourself? And that he could be using winter to force rocks that need to be discarded for your soul not to get crushed. Do you see the woman? Are you ready to take whatever is at the core of your life and take it off and pour it out and say, that's not my identity anymore. I'm only focused on Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, what a powerful story. How many times have we read the story and never really seen the woman? Lord, help us. We, we cannot see ourselves if you don't come in and help us see. And as hard as it may be, would you, in your kindness, in your patience, would you reveal these rocks in our souls that are crushing us and say, see, see this has to get discarded you have to get a lot smaller in your mind. You have to allow Jesus to be Jesus and not you. For any person who feels like they have a debt, Lord, that's too big. Would this woman be a great guide? She's not a blind guide. She knows she knows debt. She knows loan. She knows paid in full. Would you help us to see her, follow her as she follows you? We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and sing our closing song.